Hey, this is Max Alper, and you are listening to Lameem Young. That's it. Got some Eric Satie. Which one is this? No Cien. No Cien number three. Probably pronouncing that incorrectly. Let's listen to more of that. Let's play that out. proto-minimalist himself, Eric Satie, one of my longest, probably my, probably my top, my number one artist. Throughout my life, I'm talking like age three, having, like having memories of this guy's music. So really one of my first, I guess, musical, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, epiphanies one of my music my first musical epiphanies or uh sort of awakenings i guess was one time i was staying in a b situation somewhere in new hampshire with my family and i'm three years old and i'm there's a room where i'm staying and there's a room where my parents are staying and like you know a little kitchenette in the middle and I was trying to go to sleep and my mom and my dad were reading in the other room and they were playing this exact record, which I ripped from the CD onto my computer of Eric Satie Piano Works. I'm trying to see if it has more information on the who's playing it. Daniel Varsano and Felipe Entremont Piano Works from Sony Classical. Um, and uh, specifically... No CN number one, which you probably know if you hear it just the very beginning. And this one in particular is so fucking good because it really actually has like, if you listen to it structurally, if you analyze it just from form, it has a verse a chorus, a post-chorus, and that's basically it. It has the simplest and, in many cases, most poppiest sort of song structure. This whole Gymnopody and Nocien series in particular um, really had this, like, effect on me. Uh, just listen to that hook. Hold on. going to get to it. <laughs> Thank you. 
including that tritone in there on that ba 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 yo tritone on the post chorus it's just tangible music that even a three-year-old such as myself can understand anyways my parents were playing that while reading in the other room and i hear it and i hear that hook specifically and it moves me enough or it affects me enough that it wakes me up i get out of bed i go across the hall to my parents room and i'm literally like what is that <laughs> three years old <laughs> like what is that and it's eric Satie, honey go back to bed i'm like great the name stuck that's it no but that's a one of my first musical memories right there yeah that is some audio log lore for real no for real and that's no bullshit i wrote about that in my fucking uh master's thesis paper that experience in particular had the effect it had on me um so it's peer reviewed but we can get my fucking mom on the on the call and she could verify you guys can't bully me though or else my i'm gonna call, tell my mom so fucking be nice <laughs> all right we started off with a little bit of satie get the ball rolling here i'm fucking freezing here in boston right now so satie is the mood it's gray just got back from providence this morning which is basically the cheapest area of boston ha 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 but up if you ever plan on moving to boston i highly recommend looking at providence <laughs> rhode island very close much more affordable, a lot more noise music these days versus the old Boston town. Critical listening, nine, keeping it going from the Discord. We have ourselves some submissions, starting with Klont. I don't know if they're here live, but they posted this earlier this month. Happy New Year, by the way. Forgot to say that. Feliz Navidad y Feliz Año Nuevo. Hope you guys had a good one. Klont has brought us a track from Ryu. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Ryu. I don't know. It's called Honey Badger. And we're going to listen to it. And we'll just, you know, they say no specific questions. They just want to know what I have to say about this track. So easy enough let me just make sure that my sound sharing in the discord is good to go yes it is okay and away we go this is honey badger by re we'll just call it re fuck it
All right. All right. That was fucking heavy. <laughs> As Vince in the chat uh, mentioned, uh, this is a uh, prime uh, powerlifting and weightlifting music. Absolutely. Uh, I went yesterday and I'm going tomorrow. So today is my rest day. Give me a break. Um, nah, this was, this went fucking hard. I've never heard of this guy before, but I mean, like what we're hearing here, and I've said this so many times, I've literally made memes about this exact topic, which is if you put a four to the four, four to the floor as your foundation, right? Like we're in four as our primary meter here. You put that as your kick, whatever, your standard four to the floor uh, drum sequence, and you put any other meter, odd or even, on top of that. In this case, we had a three on top of our four. Classic polyrhythmic combination there. If you put any odd meter i would say over four of the floor you you basically have you found the key to techno right there you found the key to the i would you know i mean it's rhythmic phasing in the technical definition of what we're hearing here uh but as far as danceability though and groove go i mean that's where the funk i would say of techno in a lot of ways comes from you know the the mechanical sort of uh pockets between our steady 4-4 and then whatever it is on top of it you have these sort of individualized paths that you could focus on in this case very simple you know really just a a kick and uh sort of arpeggiation happening here but also on top of that you know hearing the 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 middle section there's kind of just like a massive build-up without the kick it becomes a sort of moment where it's kind of meant to throw you off, not necessarily falling. If you, unless you're like grooving your head in four and actually counting, you can lose track of the downbeat in this section because we we lose the drum here. So it's going through the different rhythmic variations right there. Um, which creates a nice little, uh, nice little spaciousness, uh, and those little moments where you feel a slight hiccup, you know, but 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 different moments like that meant to not necessarily throw you off as a listener, but if you're grooving in your own world on uh, rolling, rolling hard on pure Molly Crystal, uh, you might. Uh, you might have a nice little ah moment when that drop finally comes back. <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 with the 4-4 kick layered on top of his rave screaming. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. There, right there, we don't even have the four to the floor. It gets rid of it and goes straight to that triplet rhythm. <laughs> the 
very, very clever right there, just to make sure that we're not fully comfortable in our four, four, four to the floor section there. Uh, you know, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And techno, there are certain elements to this music that really can be, uh, you know, reimagined, recycled, reused, uh, flipped on its head. But these core elements, oftentimes very simple elements, can keep us grounded in something that we can hear over and over and over again and, and not get tired of. Uh, this is absolutely some spinnable music here. Um, you know, I think six or seven minutes, which is what it's running here, is a little long. Uh, yeah, I would say the last two minutes or so, I was a little less engaged, but that might be just me leaning in more towards the weird uh, uh, breaks in standard meter that is more in the first half of this piece. Uh, seven minutes might be a bit. <laughs> I mean, is are you, Peter says, is this a tool track? Could be used as a tool? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, especially if you had three decks going and having just like the, the snare, like the high end of this, that odd metered element, um, I think would be, would work really well mixed with some other stuff involved. You know, we get into the arguments of duration for a track in house music, techno, jungle, any sort of club music, you get into this conversation about the duration of a track as it's printed and published on the internet. That's only half the, that's only half the battle, right? Because these tracks are meant to be spun. So it's not necessarily just how it stands on its own, but like Peter said, like perhaps using it as a tool, using it as a stem, using it as part of something larger uh, might be the primary means in which a lot of people think about this type of stuff when they hear it. When people are scrolling on Beatport or Bandcamp going through, you know, hashtag whatever club music you're talking about, particularly DJs, you know, it's, you're thinking about BPM as the primary sort of uh category or cate categorizer the thing that categorizes things because whether you like it or not these subgenres of club music are oftentimes solely defined at least distinguishing one from another defined by bpm uh so when people are searching for this stuff they're often thinking about it in the larger context of a mix not just where it stands in the playlist, but how it would sound with one or two other elements of other tracks going on with it. Um, this could absolutely work for that, totally. You know, but for me, I'm, I'm also thinking about, I gotta think about the home listen as much as the, the club listen. We're on home listening right now, listening to it, you know? I think it would be just as spinnable just as uh, engaging and DJable, even if it cut two minutes out. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely could put the sateen pieces from earlier over this. Maybe next time I'll do I'll import all of these into Serato ahead of time and just do massive mix of everything that we've analyzed. 
All right. Moving on. We got ourselves a long statement from Peter. Brace yourselves. <laughs> Peter writes, there is a type of guitar chord voicing that I mostly associate with emo, pop punk, and related genres. Where the upper two or three strings are tuned to the song's root chord and then the left and then left open while the song's other chords are played on the lower strings, effectively stacking the root chord atop every other chord in the progression to create a gentle dissonance. Yeah, that's absolutely a thing. It's also <laughs> it's also how people such as myself learn how to play the guitar. It's it's, it's often uh, I feel like rooted in the open tuning aspect of that, where you can just do a block on the lower three. Uh, that was my that was my uh, commentary, not Peter's writing. Peter continues. I've heard this called bar chords, and thinking technically those are something else or barre chords appear across all guitar music and are designed to make chords easier to play. I thought it was just bar, B-A-R, where this voicing I'm describing appears in a narrow band of styles and is used for emotional shading. Another good example of someone who does this, by the way, this is me, Max, talking. Grouper, everything that she does is just the lower three strings in a drop tuning with the upper three being tuned to usually D major triad. Peter continues, it's this emotional shading I want to ask about. This type of chord voicing sounds strongly and consistently like sunlight, flying, nostalgia, sincerity, bittersweetness, being a teenager and feeling everything melodramatically. This voicing gives off this emotional character really strongly, even in songs which, it is use, which use it subversely or badly. When I was a kid, this chord voicing convinced me that reptilian evangelical quote, pop punk, <laughs> was genuine and deep. It occasionally showed up in a catatonic youth's cringe posts, and I still it still tugs at your heartstrings a bit. Oh, my God. Catatonic youth's classic page. It sounds warm and comforting in this song about having a panic, panic attack. What is it about leaving the top strings open to the root chord that conveys such a strong, specific, consistent set of feelings? And why do these feelings not always carry over fully when you mimic this voicing on non-guitar instruments? Very good question. I thought about this quite a bit in relation to Grouper's music. The track itself is called Don't Be So Hard on Your Own Beauty. It is from the album Glitch Princess by an artist named Yule. Yule? Yule. Yule. From Japan. It says yuli.jp. That usually means Japan. Nippon. Let's hear this shit. Before you took me away 
right in the fucking feels, dog. Great choice, Peter. Never heard of this artist. Keeping the tab open. This is Yuli. Y-E-U-L-E from Japan. So it seems. At least that's what their domain name says. Uh, yo. This is a this is a day for talking about Singapore. Okay, great. Uh, this is a day for talking about things that if that aren't broke and shouldn't be fixed. Uh, we talked about polyrhythms and techno. Now we're talking about open D major tuning on the guitar. Uh, now I, like I had mentioned, I am, I I'm a little familiar with this just because. I'm not a guitarist and have played guitar on my own music before and have used it as a writing tool. And I've primarily done exactly this uh, and this specific style of playing as a crutch. I'm a piano player by training and a vocalist by training, not a guitarist. And I never wanted to <laughs> be formally trained to guitar because it confused the shit out of me when I was younger. Um, so teaching yourself on certain aspects uh that might initially be created to make it slightly easier to create these bar chords. Um, Cause it's not like drop D tuning was created for emo. Um, but in this case, not just emo, but you know, pop punk. And let's also include, we got to include like uh, shoegaze in this category, new wave, these different sort of eighties, nineties and onwards sort of alt alt rock sort of uh, uh, sub-genres that have used this throughout the decades, um, they do tap into this sort of melancholic uh, mood. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, and why maybe it's not as easy to do this on a piano or any other sort of traditional instrument might have a lot to do with that upper drone strings you know i mean what we're talking about here in open tune guitar in the contemporary instrument the guitar whether it be acoustic or electric you know that really started with the blues and with bottleneck blues literally using like a beer bottle as your slide and you would use the slide on the bottom three strings that would be your chord change and then your top three strings would be open tuned to your root chord and you would just play that as your drone strings or in you know we would call that sympathetic strings uh in a more technical music terms instruments with sympathetic strings also include the fiddle the way that you would tune a fiddle you would have two drone strings and two uh melody or chord chordal strings uh, harmonic strings um you know this is really a american southern american and uh Appalachian sort of thing that comes with the blues and bluegrass and different elements of country and things that came from it. Um, and so obviously that is the root of all rock and roll uh, in this goddamn country and in the world. So it's just another sort of trajectory of, of uh, the effectiveness of this particular tuning on this particular instrument. Uh, and in the case of working in major scales, such as D major, open D, open D on a guitar, uh, it makes for these really nice half-step moments where you can also keep the, maybe the, 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 the bottom second and third string are actually staying on one chord while 
the root string, the lowest string moves down half a step and you create this nice little tension tension between like the major fourth and the minor third half a step down in that case. Uh, it's a very easy stepwise uh, finger pattern, uh, not really having to stretch your fingers that much. And it's still only three strings that you're controlling with your frets while the top three remain uh, open. Uh, but to me, you know, this is another... <laughs> Could, we could root this all back to blues. We could root this all back to the effectiveness of drone, uh, which I've spieled about at length forever here on the Patreon. Uh, but really, this is, uh, I think, the usefulness of drone strings, of sympathetic strings, has found its way into so many different types of music since the blues. And I think it's like the blues, emo and pop punk and these other more sentimental, emotionally charged styles of music are meant to get you emotional. The blues is the original emo, right? <laughs> I got the blues. I am emo. I think that emo kids, Zoomers, gotta just start calling themselves bluesmen. I think they gotta. I think the emo kids gotta listen to some Blind Willie Johnson or something, because there's something. This is the historical trajectory of this guitar style might be the root of the emotion here. I don't know. We might be on to something here. Somebody, somebody, well, we're recording this, but history will remember this. <laughs> um, Peter, you're asking, can we quickly disambiguate between the upper and lower strings here? Um, I'm thinking about the literal vertical alignment. Yes, uh, the upper strings are the ones doing the thinner strings, the higher pitch, upper on your way, like thinking the higher pitch strings, the lower strings being the lower pitch strings. Uh, that's what I'm distinguishing here. So the upper strings remain open and the lower strings, the ones doing the lower pitches are the ones that you are doing bar chords on, on the lower frets to create your primary chord progression and harmonies through there, or, you know, chordal harmonies happening there. Um, but when I was describing the the half step between the major third and the minor, I mean the major fourth and the minor third, I was talking about the lower three strings at the fourth and then moving just the lowest string down to the third while keeping the second and third lowest string uh, at that fourth. You create a nice little bit of tension there. Um, I think it's a, a very effective choice of chords. Grouper does it. Deftones do it. American football does it. This is, you know, across the emo board, anything you would consider that sort of a umbrella. My bloody Valentine fucking does it. Come on. Peter writes, yes, that's I. Yes, I like. I think that's part of why this soars, and that there's a tonal change in the lower end, which gives the feeling of instability or weightlessness. Where the drone strings were low, it would feel more anchored. Yeah, exactly. This is the drone strings are sympathetic, but they still create this tension. Just because there's consonants and it sounds very pretty, there's definitely tension there, emotionally speaking. Uh, and I think that a lot of that has to do with these layers of both changing of chords in the low end while also the high end remains steady grounded in that way great example peter good shit
Thank you for bringing that. I'm keeping that fucking tab open. And I am going to buy this record later. Is it, uh, did I miss, uh, when's, when's Bandcamp Friday? Should I wait? <laughs> I don't know. All right. El Manana. Next one's in February. Oh, that's right. Oh, Vincent. Vincent has brought us a treat. Oh, my goodness. We got some Viper in the building. Viper the Rapper. The king of internet outsider music. Vincent writes, A lot has been discussed about the phenomenon of outsider music i.e. music made by people who don't have traditional musical training or don't respond to the traditional musical criteria of what would make a piece good or correct in a music theory sense. One of the better known examples of this, as you may know, is Tiny Tim and his song Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Also, if you guys want to think about the shags, if y'all don't know about the shags, as far as outsider music, that's one to check out. But then it starts getting into the idea of, well, does an outsider even want to be making music? Because the Shags definitely did not. Okay, continuing on, Vincent writes, I've always been drawn to that subsection of artists because I feel like they're unafraid of looking silly, untalented, or ignorant in order to serve the greater feeling the art wants to convey. I wonder if that appreciation of outsider music occurs only for people who hear and appreciate a lot of music since this has built a certain expectation or knowledge of said musical criteria that outsider music manages to subvert, thus making it interesting or fresh. I wonder if this is the reason why people who casually listen to this music will simply dismiss these artists as bad, while the cult following them of, let's say, the music nerd fans keeps growing. This example, an example of this phenomenon I submit today is the song Still by renowned rapper Viper, renowned they certainly renowned in his own way. Every time I show this to people, they are either super repulsed by it and find it awful or somewhat fascinated and moved by the piece. This has followed the tendency I describe above of respectively casual music enjoyers versus, quote, music nerds. Why is this objectively bad? Why is this objectively bad mix and simplistic loop reaching me in an appreciation that is incomparable to other more traditional artists I listen to? loving the statements y'all are giving here fantastic stuff so we'll talk about it after we'll talk more about viper the artist afterwards but let's listen to the track first this is still by viper
Yo, man, that fucking bass just fucking made me shit myself multiple times while listening to that. Jesus, Viper. Why you gotta do that to me, man? That was the brown note through and through. <laughs> oh, man. You know, this is honestly some of Viper's more accessible work, I would say. You know, we're, we, we have, let's say, the bass line and the melody are in the same key to start. That is good. We 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 are we are dealing in consonants and no accidental dissonance, which might happen sometimes. Uh, and the you know the hook and the the hook and the verse, you know these the sort of structure of this is pretty straight ahead. Uh, it's in his typical kind of whisper, low, super low voice. So it's definitely doubled. We have the kind of left and right two voices doing the multiple recording takes you know standard uh mc recording technique um no i i unironically enjoy this too i think that this is you know uh another viper classic on the unironically enjoyable side of things if you so happen to be into like blasted overdriven bass mix uh hyper minimal ass uh, hip hop, you know, because that's what this is, right? You know, is it's a a dirge. It is a doom hip hop, <laughs> if you want to call it something under that, whether it be outsider accidentally this way, or you know, I unironically made this way by someone who is you know not necessarily uh, <laughs> as like you know fully there. We can say uh, Viper has. Uh, been in and out of different uh, treatments <laughs> uh and uh you know it, it's uh part of the appeal of outsider music in general i suppose uh but there's a spectrum of viper's discography here and i would say this is much more on the accessible side to be honest uh because it gets it could get really weird um and not even really something i mean i can appreciate the the artifact of this music and the fact that it exists, you know, and I can appreciate that, but it's not necessarily something I put on for fun. Uh, but then there are certain tracks. I mean, honestly, every, most of the tracks off of, of, uh, you'll cowards don't smoke crack or don't even smoke crack is, a or this is a really great album. You know, uh, it reminds me in a lot of ways of like early one Oh tricks. I mean, you know, in echo jams from not the vocal side, but the production side, um there's something really dreamy and surreal about it that i really enjoy um this kind of puts me there you know there's a melancholy and a slowness to this you know this is most certainly some scissor music um not chopped and screwed scissor music but slow and pitched to the brown note <laughs> vincent writes i just feel like viper is reduced to the meme that has laid down the oath for some weirder cloud rap. Yeah, exactly. Laid down the path for some weirder cloud rap and experimental hip hop. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, cloud rap, ambient hip hop, whatever you want to call this stuff. I mean, there's absolutely this dream pop sort of aesthetic throughout Viper's production specifically um, and his sort of whisper tone of delivery uh, that creates this yeah, absolutely. The sort of atmosphere that I can absolutely see influencing these other uh, 
his other styles. Um, yeah, he's more than a meme. We got to respect the guy doing what he does uh, to some extent. I mean, I've heard some very sus things about the man as a person, uh, but yeah, he is a person. You know, it's he's not just a meme. And unfortunately, it seems that a lot of his accounts, like his official accounts, aren't even run by him. And a lot of the original content coming out now is just taking unreleased stuff, at, uh, unreleased videos, and just kind of putting it together. So, like every time you see like a new Viper track that says like, "I tried to kill," "I'm the one who killed Nancy Pelosi's husband," or whatever, it's like it's not him writing that most of the time. Uh, it's uh... <laughs> oh, you're on the Discord, you're on the Viper Discord. Oh Jesus, yeah, that's a very strange place. I assume. Uh, yeah. I would just say respect the man. He's influenced uh, quite a bit of people. Uh, whether or not we take it beyond respecting him as a person or his behavior, I don't really know. But I'm also not really interested in supporting some, you know, completely removed from the guy uh, meme association and branding of his stuff on whatever, whoever runs his shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would be curious how a Viper show goes in real life. Uh, <laughs> how do engineers not lose their minds? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd be curious. <laughs> do they have live mixes? Uh, or do they send them levels like these? Because Jesus Christ, this is blowing out your fucking subwoofer music. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's just overly loud, the live videos. It's just completely blown out. Interesting. All right, well. That's that, then. We can confirm. It is some destroy your subwoofer mix. Um, yeah, I mean... This outsider music in general, I mean, you really got to be careful in the sort of diving into this stuff because there's a story for each of these people. You know, it's it's not just the meme and it's not just a record or an artist, but a, a person. And, you know, that's why I mentioned the shags, because uh, you go listen to this stuff. It, it is objectively bad. Um, people are you could say whatever they want about it, but <laughs> they're literally children who didn't learn, who weren't trained in any instruments and were forced to just start a band by their abusive father. So it's just like, I understand it exists. It is a, you know, a document of a moment in time that something happened. Uh, but people sort of patronizing it, and I mean literally like, a, you know, supporting it financially and things like that. I have no idea you know, who owns all that stuff, but I know at the root of it are some miserable children making this stuff. So I would, you know, as a consumer, it's not what I'm really interested in. And, you know, I mean, there are other, there's there's obviously plenty of outsider artists that have full agency of their work and their lives and also, you know, and are very much in love with the work they do, um, but also are dealing with, you know, mental health issues uh, and disabilities that uh, you know, it, it's it's you start getting into fetishizing uh, aspects of certain artists that might be something that they're not fully in control of. Uh, you know, like Daniel Johnston's uh, schizophrenia, or was it bipolar too? I'm not sure. Um, you know, his 
his his darker periods you know people are like yeah that's the best stuff and i'm like he literally tr- like crashed a plane with his father like he's like you know very troubled individual and uh also uh wesley willis another artist the rock and roll mcdonald's guy you know i mean these these are people that man uh i believe was schizophrenic um in and out of treatment but also had you know some uh actual mental disability not just illness as well so it's you know you have to find you have to be sure that what you're listening to and i'm not saying that disabled people can't be making music and have agency over their work either obviously i worked with disabled folks for multiple years as a music teacher you know i see that shit they they can make bangers just like any fuck anybody else um but the uh, as a consumer, you got to be careful when you begin to fetishize something beyond them as a person, but as this sort of idea of what you think of them as. Uh, it could be a little tricky, and, and I definitely see folks out there potentially exploiting folks like Viper. You know, I'm not sure what's going on with his life necessarily, but. I know that there's probably a bunch of 17 year old white kids that are, are running a lot of his socials and channels. Uh, so, you know, just be careful with that. I'm certainly not going to go check out their discord. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Vincent writes, I just like that these things exist because they're all sort of unsullied oddities of media. The way some ancient cultures look to people with mental disabilities as oracles or unsullied, unsullied tellers of shielded truths. Yeah, I mean, it's it's true. There's always been a fascination with this stuff. Um, it's just now that we know, now that we are aware of these things, uh, this is a, a case-per-case sort of basis, you know, based on uh, the artists themselves and the agency of their work and their body that they have. Uh, just making sure that we advocate for that, first and foremost. Good, good, good. But yeah, you'll cowards don't even smoke crack. That is that is for sure. You'll, not y'all, you'll. All right. We got a, something from Jonas here. <laughs> All right. We got some Argentinian pop. Pop Argentino. Jonas writes, big fan of this track by Argentinian pop group Miranda, with an exclamation mark. That's why I said it that way. Awesome atmospheric drum and bass pop song. Warning. The music video version is slightly sped up. I guess it's fit to, TV, to fit with the TV runtimes, so it just feels, it might just makes the, the track sound better in my opinion. Alright, well, it's DMB. What I want to talk about, building up a song and building and releasing tension with using just a drum loop to start. What can you tell us about the sounds used to build this song and give it that feeling? What would you call it? Water-like? Well, the song is called Agua, so what gives it that Agua-like feeling? Como se dice Agua.
guess not what I would expect from a <laughs> from some Argentinian band. Honestly, I don't really know anything about Argentinian pop. If they would do, uh, if they have, uh, if they have much DMB going on over there, but this is really fascinating. Um, just going through the question that you had talked about specifically here, building up a song and building and releasing tension using a drum loop to start. You know, I mean, I think something like this type of music being used for or, or jungle dnb in general being used as sort of the foundation for pop whether it be this type of music or more standard jungle from the uk which would have you know the classic diva vocals over some real hard uh drum and bass rhythms going on uh but in general you know with this type of music what we're dealing with is this contrast of staccato and you know really fast paced and you know rapid fire rhythm section in contrast to softness padded synths really consonant beautiful harmonies um you know because what we have here on the drums is one thing but then we have the harmony and the bass line of the instrumental itself being mostly padded and like kind of sine wave sub synth going on uh and what you end up with is is this sort of feeling of uh both groove but also melancholy energy but also relaxation or euphoria or sort of cont contemplate co contemplative sort of uh feeling emotional feeling happening here um uh, which is what you know i think makes things like drum and bass and jungle uh very effective as pop sort of uh and i mean pop in the sense of there's vocals on top of it verse chorus verse really nice harmonies big production and produced for a more top 40 sort of artist uh, or audience in this case an argentinian one um but i think it makes for a really jungle and drum and bass make for a really nice sort of foundation for any sort of pop vocal structure uh because it has this ability to stay danceable and incredibly energetic and you know abrasive at times with something that is still emotional something that is still you know sort of tugging at the heartstrings a little bit something that is still accessible for those that aren't necessarily interested in dancing and headbanging and grooving in this way you know i think that the jungle drum and bass foundation works because it has something that appeals to most people, you know, I mean, or at least across a spectrum of people that are here to really party and rage versus people that are really here to like space out <clears throat> versus people that are really interested that want to just hear some good pop, you know, some good pop vocals. Um, as far as, you know, the use of the drum loop, as the beginning, you know, to start here before before bringing in uh, more instrumentation. Let's just hear the beginning again. So right now, it's really just this organ and drum loop. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like it really has. Oh, I like that that you wrote there. The highway feeling. It's in motion, but also stasis. Yeah, that is a really great way of, of describing it. We have the it's like the clouds. It's like being in a plane. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a, a one way of, 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 you know, sort of a visual uh, uh, analogy here is that, you know, you're moving super high speeds on a plane, but looking, depending on what you're looking at, you can't tell that at all. It looks like when you're going over land, it's like when you're a kid thinking that you're just like over ants. Uh, it's this feeling that you're actually, <laughs> you feel like you're looking on the wider scape of things. You're not actually moving at all. You're floating. But in reality, you're moving thousands of miles per hour. Um, this is essentially that same feeling here with this sort of type, with this, you know, with jungle and drum and bass, uh, having both the ability to be stuck in stasis, you know, floating uh, in the usage of softer instrumentation, pads, organs, synthesizers, uh, and like, deep, deep sine wave bass lines, uh, combining that with rapid fire breakbeats. Uh, it just creates something that I feel is, has the ability to be both driving and emotionally effective for pop music. And obviously pop music is going to be something that requires tension, that requires this sort of emotional foundation behind it in order for it to be accessible. You know, it's populism musically. You know what I mean? What's the best way to reach somebody is with their gut reaction, with their gut feeling, you know? Uh, that's what popular music does. Um, and I'd say with this type of music in particular, drum and bass and jungle as the foundation, you end up with something that could reach a larger audience. Uh, it's quite effective, you know? And that's why I'm surprised that I hear it in Argentina specifically, you know? I mean, it's obviously all over the world, but we associate it with the 90s in UK specifically, I mean, you don't hear it nearly as much in the American context at the same time uh, of contemporaries, uh, at least in the top 40 radio, um, something we had to find on our own elsewhere. Um, this is a 2002 record. Okay, cool. So it had some time, you know, I mean, Jungle and D&D definitely been around a bit at that point, um, perhaps becoming more part of the global vernacular vocabulary um yeah i mean electronic music seems to glance off american culture <laughs> yeah it, it uh i'm reading a great book on that right now assembling a black counterculture by deforest brown which talks about specifically this this sort of berlin and uk the financing of the music on that side of the globe versus the american side um and a lot of it does have to do with racial politics, you know, uh, and thinking about who is this music meant for? And if it's meant for white people in Europe, then it can't be meant for black people in America or Latin America for that, for that instance, uh, as far as who it's being marketed to. Um, yeah, electronic music was black and gay, and then they shipped it to Europe and became white and straight. Absolutely. And that's where it made money. You know, a lot of these cats from Chicago and Detroit end up in the UK and in Germany and in Belgium and France and uh, Netherlands and things like that, um, because that's where they're getting paid, because that's where there's institutional money supporting this sort of stuff, because is America in the 70s and 80s going to support 
black and gay dance music institutionally? No. Are they going to do it now? Still probably not. <laughs> they'll say they will. They'll take pictures of it and they'll put a rainbow flag over the Bank of America. But will they support black and gay underground electronic music cultures anywhere? Remains to be seen on the larger scale. They'll make an infographic about it, yes. <laughs> black and gay music and what you can do. Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you all for hanging out with me on this lovely Sunday afternoon. Starting with Eric Satie and ending with Miranda. Some beautiful drum and bass pop. Jungle pop from Argentina. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the day. And I am hoping to see y'all on Tuesday for Group Critique Fight Club Tuesday edition. And be sure to be on the lookout for new things coming from me and the Clang Magazine team, a new venture that myself and some other people are starting. And yeah, hustle hard, no sleep. Have a great evening. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> Fight Club Tuesdays and Thursdays editions are the equivalent of the 50s and the 80s Goldberg variations. Oh, God. Deep cut reference. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Lameem Young with me, Max Alper. You can sign up for the Patreon virtual classroom at lamemyoung.com, where we also are now offering monthly and weekly private lessons for those looking to get a more individualized pedagogical approach. Thanks again.